Listeners, it's the last day of November. Winter starts tomorrow. Christmas is just around the corner. And speaking of Christmas, one of the best gifts I ever got was from my wife, Stephanie. She got me just a card. And in the card, it said she had donated to a place called Home, which was something I had mentioned to her in passing that I just really, really loved what they were all about and that I was interested in finding out more of what they did and maybe going down in person. That was right before the pandemic. Yeah, it was Christmas of 2019, and I truly burst into tears. I was so touched that she remembered that I had said that and I know it probably sounds corny to some, but it was really one of the best gifts I had ever received. And it's reminding me as I'm talking about it that I want to follow up and check out what they're doing. This is not an ad for this charity. This is truly just one of my favorite gifts ever. It was a non-commercial way to make the holidays very, very memorable. And I would love to encourage whoever's listening to do the same or give back if you can or you feel like it. And I'm I'm actually just looking at their website. <laughs> and a place called Home provides a safe, nurturing environment with proven programs in arts, education, and wellness for the young people in South Central LA to help them improve their economic conditions and develop healthy, fulfilling, and purposeful lives. So... There you go. And I hope everybody's hanging in there. It's a great time of year for a lot and a not so great time for others. And I'm wishing you all the best. Now, on to my conversation with Roy Wood Jr. What's the name of the song again? I'm Too Sexy. You know that I'm too sexy for your love. Too, I can't even believe I'm singing this. For this, for my shirt, I'm too sexy. Yeah, too my, so sexy. Or yeah, that's what it is for my pants. Or so sexy. Yeah. This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro, here to remind you that when it comes to giving advice, I'm an imperfect messenger. With me now is a stand-up comedian, producer, and actor. He's a correspondent on The Daily Show. You've seen him in movies like Confess Fletch and shows like Better Call Saul, Only Murders in the Building, and Space Force. His most recent stand-up special on Comedy Central is Imperfect Messenger. Roy Wood Jr., welcome to Don't Ask Tig. Hello, hello. Thank you for this invitation to ruin strangers' lives. (laughs) How are you going to ruin people's lives? You don't give good advice? You know, I'm always nervous about advice because Mm -hmm. I never know if I have enough information to help people with stuff. And then, you know, you know how it is as a comic when a young comic goes, well, what should I do? And I'm just like, hey, look. I can only tell you what worked for me. Yeah. And I had different factors. Yes, indeed. Well, 
I feel like maybe these people's lives are already ruined. And so we're just going to step in and keep things the same for them or make them slightly better. I like that. Okay. I like that plan. It's like bringing a single paper towel when someone spilled their drink. It's like it didn't get it all up, but I I helped. Yeah. At least now the paper towel is red. That's all (laughs) that I can offer. Well, before we get into the advice, though, some major changes are happening over at The Daily Show. Oh, Lord, yes. Trevor Noah is stepping down, and you're on the very short list of people who could take over. Does that interest you? My name's in the hat. Like, that's an honor. You Uh know, you work seven years at something, and for anybody to think that I could do it Mm -hmm. at another level, you know, sure. What I want to, I don't know. That's a hard job. Yeah. Like, I'm just being honest. Like, if you look at anybody that does television Uh four and five nights a week, look at before and after pictures of Jon Stewart. I don't know if I want that for myself, you know? (laughs) I'm always looking at before and after pictures of Jon Stewart. That's my go-to when I have downtime. I mean, it's, I can't remember who said it, but you know, The Daily Show is a really nice sports car. And if somebody offers you a sports car, you have to at least consider it. You know, I don't know if I can drive stick or not, but maybe I might be willing to learn. But it definitely was like a bit of a splash of cold water when Mm -hmm. he stepped down. It was definitely like, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're a stand-up comedian under 40. You still have goals and things that you want to explore. And Oh, got it, man. Right. Go ahead. Go Go do your thing. So you were completely shocked. Yeah, I thought for sure that he would hang at least through the next presidential election. Mm -hmm. I do know that however they decide to figure this out, I Mm -hmm. think as a correspondent, you have to figure out, you know, what you want to be a part of and what you don't want to be a part of. But, you know, Mm -hmm. as long as I have an outlet, to talk to shit, I want to talk mm-hmm. the way I want to talk it. Yeah. I think I'll have a place on television, even if it's not as a host, even if I'm working under whoever else they decide to grab, you know, like in that regard, I'm like, I'm perfectly fine. Yeah. You know, with that as well. I mean, hell, I would even throw Robin Thede's name in the hat. I know she did the rundown on BET, but mm-hmm. I wonder if she would be willing to come back to late night. But, you know, for as long as I have a place where I can do what I enjoy doing the way I want to do it, which is ultimately what Trevor promised me, and that's what he delivered on, you know, I'm cool with that. Yeah. You know, you have people like Hassan, Jordan Klepper, Jessica Williams, I guess Lewis Black, even though Lewis Black is more legacy daily. Like, Lewis Black is like the guy you get with the building. Like, yeah. <laughs> if you take this job, it's just, yeah, that's Lewis. He lives upstairs. <laughs> He's, He's got a lot on Craig his mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just let yeah. him come down once a month. Let him yell. He'll go back upstairs. Yeah, let's not complain about the noise you hear up there. But, you know, Lewis Black is a great example of somebody that now has crossed three hosts. But when you look at his segment, it hasn't changed. He's yeah. been able to be Lewis. So if I'm extended that grace, I don't see why I wouldn't want to hang around. It's one of the best jobs in comedy. In an interview, you had said that the late night world is in a, quote, creative molting phase. Absolutely. Can you expand on that? Absolutely. I don't know how much you're on TikTok. Zero. Okay. Yeah, I keep forgetting. You, like, give your social media accounts away to your friends. (laughs) Yeah, I don't even have my password (laughs) or code or whatever it is to get in there. (laughs) Run your social like an Airbnb. (laughs) Just (laughs) hand it over to strangers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I think that 
what late night has been up until this point stylistically has to evolve to a degree because mm-hmm. I think the consumer has caught up with it. Like there's regular people who do man on the street now. They have these little tiny microphones yeah. that you can USB into your iPhone or whatever. And it's just regular people doing man on the street interview, chit chat type stuff. And these people, they don't have a degree in journalism. They didn't learn under some improv tutelage. It's just mm-hmm. people being funny. Even people doing this split screen and talking about something on one side of the screen uh-huh. or green screening themselves into something that's going on behind yeah. them. The general public is starting to catch up creatively to what TV has been up until this point. So I think it's time for a level up. What does that look like? What does that feel like? You know. Mm-hmm. So we have to evolve and be better than what's currently out there. And if you're producing anything on television that looks and feels like what somebody could do with their iPhone and an hour of free time, then it's time for an evolution. I also think it's time to start thinking of people as the celebrity mm-hmm. and not celebrities. Mm-hmm. Like we still have celebrities, but in my opinion, I don't think we have them the way we did 10, 20 years ago, you know? Right. I won't take this personally. <laughs> I think that when you look at a lot of trends that are set, be it what's the cool word to say or what's the cool phrase or what's the cool dance, it's not celebrity setting those trends. It's regular everyday people and then other regular everyday people spreading that stuff around. So I think late night has to figure out a way to plug into that. Mm-hmm. There has to be something that includes and recognizes regular everyday people mm-hmm. as having something of worth to contribute to our society and to our zeitgeist and not just treating them solely as consumers. Yeah, I agree. And I actually, the question always comes up about people, as you're talking about, that are putting things on YouTube and social media and whatever, and they're in middle America. And I don't think it's that crazy. It's some, some people <laughs> act like it's insane that there are such funny people out there in the world and you just didn't even know or talented musicians. And they're just, they're just, they just live in middle America and they're uploading things. And it's like, not everyone that made it to New York or LA is the most talented or interesting person alive. Some are just the most driven. Some are just the most connected, you know, and it's a lot of different perspectives. Yeah. Well, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what comes of all these huge changes because, I mean, obviously the networks, they know they can't just keep recycling the same thing. And so we'll see what comes of that. But in the meantime, I personally feel like Based on the interviews that you've done, you probably have some point of view that can help our listeners today, Roy. I think I can. Are you ready for the main event? Yes. To give these listeners advice? I am ready to help. All right, Roy, this first question is about a highly controversial domestic subject, the thermostat. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mariella writes, Dearest Tig, my husband keeps setting the AC temp to 78, which is too hot for me. He does this at night when I'm sleeping and I'm usually in our four-year-old daughter's room because she can't sleep without me. In her room, the AC doesn't work very well, so it feels like it's 80 degrees and I wake up sweating. 
I've asked him many times to please leave the AC at a lower temperature. Even 75 to 76 is fine, just not 78. But every morning I wake up and it's set to 78. I have threatened to divorce him because of this. How do I get through to him? Uh, I have a simple solution. Oh, good. What is it? Because I once lived with a woman with whom I was not thermostatically compatible. <laughs> okay. First of all, it's kind of on you for marrying and having a baby with someone that you knew there was no thermostatic compatibility. You sacrificed that early in a relationship because you thought it would be a sacrifice you can make for the rest of your life. Physical comforts, never compromise those. Like the TV and all of that, and mm-hmm. what channel to watch. Okay, you can compromise that. But things that legitimately make you happy and comfortable, physically comfortable. You're saying they should have lived together, learned this. Yeah, you got to live in sin. Yeah. That's why you shack. Look, I'm all for living in sin. People talk about that, you know. I'm sure you're reminded of living in sin in Mississippi. I'm sure they tell you every day when they see you. (laughs) I mean, luckily, my family is not like that. But I do have this issue in my own relationship. For me, the issue was, I'm a 72. Mm -hmm. She was a no AC kind of person. What I figured out was... A fan is a pretty easy compromise mm-hmm. if you just kind of mount something close to the bed. Also, you might be able to trick your husband with new linen that is a little more breathable, that doesn't like trap in every ounce of body heat, duvets and feathers and all of that. Get that out of there. Get something a little thinner. Well, and keep in mind, she's sleeping with her daughter. That's what I'm tripping up on is I'm thinking if she has threatened divorce over the temperature in the house... And every night she's sleeping in her daughter's room. I feel like there's much deeper issues going on because I understand kids have trouble sleeping. Oh, absolutely. I think you need to back up and figure out a way to not be sleeping in your daughter's bed every night. Okay. But even once you fix that, if you're happier sleeping away from this person because their body heat is taking you over 80 degrees, Mm -hmm. at some point you have to go back into that room. Mm -hmm. So- Whatever lovey-dovey issues have been fixed there where you now want to be back in the room, mm-hmm. the house is still 77 degrees, and that's going to be an issue. Yeah, that's where you can apply the breathable sheets, the fan. You make sure that the person that is hot is sleeping with no clothes on. The person that's cold, wear another layer. Yeah, long pants, pajamas. Like There are definitely... Attire changes that could be made. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's sleeping in his drawers, give him, see if he'll sleep in pants in exchange for a sub 75 home. Right. Because okay. you're not asking for a lot. But if they are not willing to compromise with you on this, it is a bigger red flag to a lot of bigger issues because they are not putting your comfort at any point in any consideration. Yeah. You both need to find some happy medium and you both need to be walking towards each other. That's so beautifully put. That's beautiful. It's true. That's what my wife and I have been working on as well, because I get hot flashes real bad and (laughs) I can't get rid of that. I'm 51. This is, you know, (laughs) it's happening. And we're both trying. Walking towards each other. I'm going to steal that. I like that. I just made it up in the moment. You got to be walking towards each other. So Mariella, I hope that advice helps you bring down the temperature on your marital problems. Put him in pajamas. Get yourself a fan. Yeah, yeah. Roy, it's time for a quick break. 
But don't go anywhere because we'll be right back with more questions. Hi, I'm Tig Notaro, and I'd like to tell you about Comedy Gives Back, the safety net for the entire comedy community. Stand-up comedians may work alone, but that doesn't mean they should feel alone. That's where Comedy Gives Back comes in and helps with mental health services, crisis support, chemical dependency treatment, and more. Visit ComedyGivesBack.com or text LAUGH to 707070 to donate today and help give comedians more than applause. And we're back. Roy, you grew up in the South. Yes. In Alabama, right? Alabama all the way. And you also lived in Tennessee. Yeah, we were in Memphis to the third grade. Mm -hmm. I spent every summer in Clarksdale, south of Memphis, down in the Mississippi Delta. And then one day in the summer of the third grade, my mother took me to my grandma's for a month in the summer, like we always do. Mm -hmm. And when she picked me up, she got on I-78 eastbound to Birmingham. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're moving. I'm like, what the f***? <laughs> no goodbye to friends. No oh my victory gosh. lap. No nothing. I just disappeared like a blip. Wow. <laughs> all of my friends. Oh, my gosh. My mom didn't give a f*** about any friendships that I had made. No bonds. No Boy Scout troop. Oh, whatever. No. Yeah. Were you ever in touch with them again? Or did they just turn on the TV one day and was like, oh, that's where he went? I wrote one of those motherfuckers. A letter mm -hmm. for like a month and a half, and he never wrote me back. And then Gosh. I went back and looked at his Facebook a couple years ago, and life didn't work out too well. For we were hiring um, childcare mm -hmm. for um, when I first had my son, mm -hmm. and his mother and I, we I'd gotten a subscription to one of those background checking services. Like I didn't trust yeah. the babysitter service. I'm like, I yeah. want to know everything about you. Sure. And it's a, you know, two month subscription. Mm -hmm. All you can search. Let's just see what friends that I've known have been doing the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. Just let me see your credit score and <laughs> let me, let me <laughs> see your arrest history. Where'd you been renting, Tim? So yeah, the Memphis guy was one of the people It didn't work out too well for him, but you know. Oh my gosh. Should have wrote me back. Could have been my production partner or something. Wow. Yeah, I, <laughs> I would be so... So sad if that happened, if I was just uprooted. I was uprooted a lot, but I said my goodbyes. And in fact, I said my goodbyes to, sadly, a lot of people I can't pull from my memory at all. I'd be at a loss if I tried to look up people's credit scores. I like. I have a complete disassociation with Memphis because of it. I'm sure. Well, I do have a question here that combines our Southern charm to help this listener. And we do have Southern charm, me and you. Yes, right? we do. Now that we do. That we do. Okay. Ed writes, I have traveled to almost all 50 states. I still have yet to visit several parts of the South. I was wondering if there was anything I shouldn't miss when I travel to Mississippi, Arkansas, Alabama, and Tennessee. I know you are from that area and was hoping you could tell me an odd museum 
or like a diner that serves the best breakfast you've ever had. If you could help me out, that'd be great. Thanks. I have to say, just right off the bat, I always lead people to this coffee shop I'm very proud of in Mississippi. It is called Cat Island Coffee Shop. It is Mm -hmm. a bookstore and cafe. Their coffee is incredible. I have traveled around the world. This coffee is incredible. And the bookstore is so rich, full of just Southern history. And then also, oddly in a twist, gay books, gay Southern (laughs) books. Nice. And there's actually a gay couple that owns the bookstore. So Cat Island Bookstore, right on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi. That's where I would send people. And I also hosted a documentary film festival one year Mm -hmm. in um, Hot Springs, Arkansas. If you are at all into crystals, okay? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, what? You're absolutely right about that. Like, that's the place for all of that. I've done shows in weird armpits of this country. And on the way to those armpits, I passed through Hot Springs. So many people would not know this. And it's really so cute and beautiful. But also, I think a lot of people don't realize that there's so many crystals that come out of that area. My wife is into crystals, and therefore (laughs) my sons are now into crystals. And so I'm on it as far as touring and stumbling upon crystals and where to go. So there's some two little weird things that I can offer to this, which is Hot Springs, Arkansas, if you're into crystals, and then if you like a delicious cup of coffee, head over to that coffee shop. Yeah, I mean, if you want like some natural hot water bath type thing, like hot springs is good for the salt mineral baths mm-hmm. that help exfoliate and extract the yes. bullshit out of your skin. <laughs> you really are like exhausted after a bath in a hot spring. I can't explain. Yeah, it. and I think people wouldn't expect that to be in Arkansas, like that sort of environment. Yeah, it's very Yellowstone-ish uh-huh. in that sense, where it's like, really, nature can do this? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Nature is doing dope stuff. Uh, For Alabama, the Soto Caverns I enjoyed. I'm just, I'm trying to think of the things that I went to as a child that I Mm -hmm. really enjoyed. You know, it sounds corny, but the NASA Flight Museum in Huntsville. Huntsville, by the way, is like an extremely booming town. Mm -hmm. Fastest growing population-wise in the state. They're expected to catch up to Birmingham. I think continues. Wow. A lot of jobs too. You can thank Trump for Space Force. That's a fact. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, the creation of Space Force created a flux of jobs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but the NASA, the Marshall's Air and Space Flight Museum mm-hmm. is just something that I'm still in awe about. Like, it's just dope to see all of these old space shuttles and modules yeah. and all of that stuff up close. You can't go wrong with barbecue when you do get to the South. No chains, no chain restaurants. Just go hole in the wall as much as you can. Mm -hmm. And if you tweet me, tweet me a city you're headed to and I'll retweet it and you'll have five options by Sunday. (laughs) That's really the fun of touring is just knowing all of those weird little places to go. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one thing I really regret about the first 10 years of my career is that I didn't really stop to enjoy any town mm-hmm. that I was in because I was just so obsessed. Because I toured in the South and the Midwest. Like, I didn't move to the coast 
for the longest. When did you move to the coast? I started in 98. I moved to LA, I think in 07. Wow. 08. Like it was a while. Like I would sneak out there from time to time, but like my bread and butter, like my 40 weeks a year, nah, that was coming from the South and the Midwest. And because I was still doing morning radio, I was always in a rush to get back to Birmingham uh-huh. because I had to be on air. So I just never really stopped anywhere unless it was like in Appleton where they had the La Bamba burrito, burrito <laughs> the size of your head. Like, mm-hmm. okay, that's close <laughs> to the venue and I'll drunk walk <laughs> to that. That's the one thing I really think that I, I really missed out on was just the exploration. Uh-huh. Of places. I wish I'd have stopped and slowed down a little more. Well, that's good advice. Stop and slow down. I like to take a walk whenever I am in any sort of little town or city. I just check into my hotel and I wander around. I'm, I mean, unless it's plant-based, I'm not a big barbecue person, mm-hmm. but it's one of my favorite things to do is find the delicious plant-based food around any town. All right. Well, uh, Ed, enjoy your travels in the South, send me and send one to Roy. Send us a postcard wherever you end up. And Roy, this next question comes to us from Grace in Baltimore. Okay. Grace writes, I'm getting married in a few months and I'm super excited about it. My fiance and I are both only children. His mother is obsessed with him. She specifically requested that they dance a waltz to... I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred. I laughed at her suggestion, but she is serious. My fiancé and his friends performed together to this song in high school, and she wants to recreate that with him. He seems totally cool with it. My mom told me to just let it go, but I cringe whenever I think about it. What would you do? Well, Grace, I personally, (laughs) if if my wife said she wanted to dance to that song with her mother, I would be thrilled. That would make me laugh so <laughs> hard. But I think that's just a part of me where I'm I'm looking for something weird to happen. Not, you know, inauthentically, but if something weird is genuinely popping up, I'm all in. I want to see it happen. I feel like you can have your beautiful moment and moments on your day, but I think you got to give them, especially if he's okay with it. What do you feel, Roy? Let's get Southern for a second on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The wife supersedes the mom. Mm-hmm. If we want to get all into Jesus and all of that stuff. So here's the problem. If the wife stands her ground, then it's the first shot fired and what will be a long, tenuous mm-hmm. back and forth with the mom. But if she does not stand her ground, then the mom has the ability to chump her any other time she wants. Because if her son has no backbone to stand up for it, because it could be this, then it's going to be some goofy clothes for the grandkid that she wants the grandkid to wear. And then it's going to be some <laughs> odd bull- Like there's just going to be more of her inserting herself into this thing. And I know maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm just PTSD. No, I'm, from- uh, listen, I agree with once you have gotten married and you are creating your own life and family, that is the most important thing that you have to protect at all costs. That is your number one, is your spouse, your children, your house. That is it. And then from there, you move out to, okay, then I'll listen to what my parents, their opinion is, or my siblings, my friends, my coworkers, whatever. But you're, your marriage and your family, that's number one. 
but I feel like you're still going to have to pick your battles through life. And it can't always be, well, I'm the spouse. I get this. That's fair. It's not my number one choice for dancing at a wedding. (sighs) I just feel like, is this what you really want to go up against to upset the mother, the husband, and her own mother is Grace's mother is saying, let yeah. it go. Okay, Roy and I don't agree on this. I I get it. I'm looking at the lyrics now. Yeah, it's, I do my little turn on the catwalk. Yeah, on the catwalk. On the catwalk. Yeah, I do my little. I'm too sexy for my... All right, what if they shorten the song? Is that a middle ground? Is that less cringe? That's a middle ground. Shorten the song. But if it's fun and people are having a good time, I, I feel like people might be laughing and having a good time. But if you want to shorten it and cut it off. Allowing it to happen, it creates less drama down the road, mm-hmm. which ultimately you want a good relationship with the mother-in-law. Is there something to saying how you feel and still allowing it or just giving your opinion after the fact? Well, I guess I assume that she let her husband know that she wasn't excited, but he was okay to do it. Okay, then let it ride. Because ultimately, he's the one that's going to have to stand up to the mom and shut down certain activities and behaviors if they eventually get out of line. There you go. See, Roy, you're good. Let it ride, but I don't know, turn your head, go to the bathroom (laughs) or something. Grace, whatever happens, it sounds like you're going to have a very memorable wedding. Congratulations. All right. Well, Roy... The last segment we have is a simple one called Best Advice, Worst Advice. Oh. What is the best advice you've ever been given? Advice or like life moment from which you extrapolated truth and the realism about the world and what your mission should be. if you have that, let's hear it. I have that. Yeah, sure. I'll take that. I worked daily pay jobs when I was on the road. So like in those days, you would get booked to like work like a club for like six days a week. Back when comedy clubs was open five, six days. Oh, I know the days. Yeah. The good old days of making money. (laughs) So if I was in a city for more than three days, I would get a day job while I was there. No. If I couldn't go back and do radio. Yeah. What, What am I doing all day other than playing my PlayStation in a hotel? What kind of job? You don't know. You show up at six in the morning and you get your assignment. Okay, types of job. Oh, it's all like labor. It's all labor. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was still on probation mm-hmm. for stealing credit cards when I was in college. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I couldn't get like the clerical work. I call it air conditioned jobs. You couldn't get an air conditioned job. So everything was outdoors. <laughs> so it's like uh-huh. you're an extra on a construction site doing the stop slow sign. Oh, sure. You know, mm-hmm. or. You know, I worked at a concrete factory. Shout out to Quick Creek in Columbia, South Carolina. Hey there. And on this particular day, I'd gotten assigned to help build a church, and they were putting the spackle on the ceiling of the church. And some of the spackle, you know, drifts down to the concrete bed of what would eventually be the sanctuary. So myself and another guy with a six-inch wide scraper are scraping the spackle off the concrete floor so they can get ready to lay the carpet. And literally, like that scene in Forrest Gump where Forrest and Bubba are like toothbrushing a floor. Mm-hmm. And it's me and another guy, and he's from Philadelphia. He had just gotten out of prison, and he was working the job to get enough money to go to wherever he was trying to travel to or whatever. And so I just remember him saying to me one day, 
you know, at the time, let's just say minimum wage was maybe six bucks, you know, five, mm-hmm. maybe six bucks an hour. And he goes, when you come back tomorrow, make sure you ask to get this job again. And then the day after, ask for this job. Because when you come here for four days straight, they got to bump you up to six twenty-five an hour. Mm. And that's good money right there, mother. <laughs> and he just went back to scraping. It's just like an OG just giving a little kid in his 20s yeah. some advice. Yeah. But I just remember the calluses and the bruises and just the way my hands felt at the end of the day. And just echoing in the back of my head, this guy going, they bump you from $6 to six twenty-five. <laughs> that's good money, mother. <laughs> <laughs> And I just remember thinking to myself, I don't ever want to be 50 and in that position. I understand life happens to people for a number of reasons, but whatever I can do to make sure that I don't have to do this. Yeah. And so that's when I like, man, I went back to college. Mm -hmm. I I was on Dean's list the rest of the way after that. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. That one interaction with that single person like literally changed the trajectory of a lot of how I approached life and college and- you know, and so with that story and what you learned, what would you say the advice is from that story? If you work hard now, you won't have to work hard later. Okay, good advice. Do the things that you need to be in life so that you don't have to do that particular thing that you don't want to do later. You know, we had a lot of talks, and you can tell. Like I had the advantage of. When I was in my early 20s, I was kind of mentored in a way by a lot of just random Black men that I met along my path. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of do this, not that Mm -hmm. type situations. (laughs) Yeah. What's the worst advice? I hate to put this on an agent, but I'm going to. Mm -hmm. I had an agent, the first ever agency I signed with, I had an agent there and I had an idea for a show about a comedian, a young comedian that was, this is like 05. Mm-hmm. I had a show about a young comedian who was, you know, whatever, trying to get his life together. It was biographical. Mm-hmm. And he told me that nobody wants to see shows about comedians. No one cares about comedians. It's not a relevant genre. You need to do something else. But I can't take that out to market. And I let him talk me into not doing it. And then the next thing you know, for like the next decade, it's just green light after green light after green light yeah. for shows where the protagonist is a stand-up comedian. Yeah. And I remember being so angry with him. And this idea that I let somebody else talk me out of my own ideas and my own instincts, when well, my instincts are exactly what have gotten me this far. Yeah. And I've never yeah. been more disappointed in myself and upset with myself. Like it just it was not a good, yeah. wasn't a good look. So you have to listen to yourself. That's pretty consistent yeah. advice that works. You know what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. It's just funny that entertainment is weird in that you spend most of your career listening to yourself and trusting yourself so you can hire people and pay them mm-hmm. who will now think for you. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go down that road. Well, you know, looking in. It seems like you're on a pretty solid path these days, sir. And so I assume that's you now listening to yourself, taking your own advice. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which is, I feel like, also really good advice is to take your own advice, if I can interject there. (laughs) And Roy, 
That's all the time we have. Well, thank you. And I'm so thankful that you stopped by. I saw you briefly at the Webby's. Yeah, real high and by. Real COVID tight. Real high and by. Yeah, but, um, very much get away from all the people, host. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything you'd like to promote? No, we've already talked about everything. I'm, I'm thankful to just still be working mm-hmm. after 24 years. So, you know, the Job Fair podcast. I also host the Daily Show Beyond the Scenes podcast. That's really what we're doing right now. Daily shows at 11 o'clock until December 8th. And after that, we'll see whatever happens in 2023. I think there's probably a lot coming your way, would be my guess. But again, I appreciate you taking the time to do the show. And hopefully I will see you again sooner than later. Absolutely. Thank you. Tig is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willette and Shana Deloria. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Engineering and sound mixing by Alex Simpson. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Our theme music is Friend in Tig by Edie Brickell and Kyle Crusham. And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Brickell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavadi, Alex Schaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask Tig. Don't Ask Tig is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana, and I'll tell Becky. stand-up comedian and sex symbol Tig Notaro. And I'm actor and writer Cheryl Hines. Before Cheryl and I got into the big business of podcasting together, (laughs) we were just simply friends. And we're still friends. But now we talk about a different documentary every week on our podcast, Tig and Cheryl, True Story. So whether you love documentaries or just want to hear us slowly lose our minds, check out Tig and Cheryl, True Story, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, cool. (laughs) 